guys, welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we talk about all your favorite books from Book Talk. Now, today, of course, if you've been following us for any moment of time, you know that we've been covering the Zodiac Academy series, and we are getting into part two of the latest book, Heartless Sky. So we covered part one in the previous episode, and now we're getting into part two because so much happens in this book that we needed an entire second episode to talk about what happens. I'm Caitlin, joined by my host, Hilda and Bridget. Hi. Hi. Now, I should preface by saying we have all been drinking. We've all had some wine. I have some special wine goggles, you know, the kind <laughs> where you stick in your cup and then it, like you slurp and it goes through your eyeballs into your mouth. So it's a vibe as we finish this this book because highs and lows, I think, are the best way to describe it. If books four and five are like super painful, this one makes you laugh, but it also makes you cry. I think really to sum it up is fuck, it's going to hurt. So just get your alcohol now. Yeah. And don't drive and drink. I'm still traumatized and I drank all my wine. Oh, no. Yeah. So I'm going to go oh, ahead and apologize now if I'm slurping and you hear that from my wine my wine goggle glasses. Oh, hold on. Do it. Do it. I don't think we heard anything. No? Okay. Let me test. No, you're good. Okay. There's like a weird air bubble in there. So there's a little like, <laughs> want to get started on my end? No, <laughs> you're good. But I just want to say that we were actually going to do part two recording yesterday, and Hilda already said that all her wine is gone, and homegirl, you oh, know. because I drank it yesterday and <laughs> missed the recording. <laughs> we're going to give her a pass, though, because she had to reread the last 20% of this book, and if you've read this book before, you know, like, the last 15 to 10% is horrible. And it makes you just want to drink your feelings. And, you know, after that, you usually just take a good solid nap. So that's self-care, in my opinion. That is self-care. Four and a half hour nap is (laughs) self-care. Where we're like, hello. (laughs) Yoo-hoo. Yoo-hoo. Big summer blowout. (laughs) Did it work? It did not work. I woke up at 12. In a panic. (laughs) In a panic. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) What just happened? It was supposed to be a 15-minute nap. It's like Gillian's Island. Like a three-hour tour turned into <laughs> 27 years. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, again, we had said so much happens in this book. So we have divided it up into three different sections. I took a section. Bridget took a section. And then Hilda's going to bring up the rear, <laughs> the caboose <laughs> <laughs> of the bad news. Any thoughts before we get into it? I didn't read this book a second time after I finished reading it. Because usually, I think I've said this before, my MO is, especially when I really like a book, is to like basically speed read through it really quickly so that I know what happens. And then I go back um, and read it again to like savor it. I did not do that with this book. I closed it. And I remember going to like the Facebook fan page and writing Caroline a note about how traumatized I am. A personal and- note. Well, I mean, I posted it on the wall. And then I think I just like kind of like sat in my feelings. Um, You guys can't see it, but I'm now thinking about Darius and I can feel it coming on. Oh, God, already? I started crying again um, as I was doing my reread. And I started crying in different spots that I didn't cry through the first time. And I'm pretty sure I don't have my period again. Um. (laughs) Don't apologize for crying. Own your shit. So I'm still traumatized. And I feel like I'm going to need to do a third 
um, reread before book eight comes out because I feel like I picked up on more what could potentially be throwaway lines, but I feel like a lot of times what they serve us as throwaway lines really aren't. Oh, no, they aren't at all. And so I feel like I've identified more during this round, and so I'm going to need to go back and digest, and I'm going to be like Chemical Rosie on TikTok. And we talk about our <laughs> predictions for book eight. And I'm going to come with the receipts and I'll be like, Darius is coming back and Stella's going to die instead of for Orion. That's going to be like her redemption arc. And Ooh, I'm not going to reveal. that's a good one. I'm not well, going to reveal on. anymore. Is Stella a vampire? Yeah. Yeah. Stella's a vampire. The hunter pays the price. The hunter pays the price. Poof. Our brains are exploding right now. I'm realizing this in real time as we were Okay, but also, like, his dad definitely did pay the price already. Yeah, but there's there. it has to do with his blood being used for the curse on Darcy. Valid. And so you need need Orion blood. But Lance isn't the only keeper of Orion blood. True, true. But before we get into all these predictions, we're going to do an entirely separate episode right before the next book drops, the last book where we're going to go into predictions, go over the prophecies, and really deep dive everything that we're kind of expecting to happen. Um, You'll get three different perspectives from the three of us, naturally. That's the one you're going to want to join in on. It's like our pre-book release party. Yeah. Or morning session. And then all of you guys can have wine goggle glasses with me. (laughs) Maybe we'll do a giveaway, and we'll figure out some way. And if you're winners, we'll send you guys... So if you leave us a review, glasses. you too can have your own that wine goggle glasses. Excellent idea, Bridge. You're just coming in. It's the marketing in me. You're coming in. It's a girl out of corporate, but you can't take corporate <laughs> out of girl. You are just like she has all the good ideas. It only happens like day. once a quarter, so don't get too excited. <laughs> it's Again, still the marketing girl talking in terms of quarters. <laughs> It's so bad. Like, I'll text people too, be like, I can't, not this quarter. We'll have to do it next time. And they're like, seriously? And I'm like, yes, yeah, I know months. you understand. You are also a functioning adult in a work environment. How do you not speak in quarters? It's easier to plan things. Absolutely. Well, um, anywho, speaking of planning things, we have planned a great podcast episode for you guys today where we finish up this book. I'm a little sad about it because, like, we're ending our arc on Zurich Academy, but it's okay. Yeah. Do we want to – no, I guess we should leave the good stuff for that. Yeah. You know, we normally try to do a five-minute recap, and it's just – We just can't. We just have to get started. Sorry. Well, also, we did like fans. the recap at the last episode for the entire book, I think. Look, spoiler think- warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Yeah. Darius dies. Stop! <laughs> Fuck, Hilda. And it's – you don't need to remind me again. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. I did not anticipate you going all the way there. And I'm like, she I was like I'm coming up and a- stab you in the heart, pull like twist a knife and then pull it out real fast. It's okay though. It's okay though. He has to come back. You don't know that for sure. He will. See, I'm actually not even as torn up about him because I know for a fact he will come back, which we'll get into later. I'm not, I'm not, it was heartbreaking to read. But I know in my heart and my soul, Darius will be back. Yeah, because if not, this isn't a romance series. 
but there's other couples romance and, anyhow and we will we will riot we will use my credit card points and fly to england and show up on caroline and suzanne's doorstep and be like what the butt fuck besties i thought we were friends (laughs) like what did you do you have destroyed us and so like literally i think there's like fifty three thousand people that would have the exact same reaction as us at least no every single time they write fuck the stars in the books they're giggling because they know that they are the stars in our lives they're literally writing the shit to kill us on the inside shrill up and die oh, they are the stars clearly we're getting unhinged uh, <laughs> yeah i mean we what are they expect it's the very last book so far in the series we've been talking about this for seven weeks straight it was just about time and the ending is really really rough oh my so god i already spoil it for you and i'm like i think i could do a five minute recap <laughs> well see that's just one of the parts of the ending. There's other things that happen. There's that other just things are... that happen. I think that... I tried harder other parts. I'm just saying we'll get into that. I think it's also because <laughs> like people are mourning Darius from the time that he finds out his like he commits to his faith and gives his yeah. life. So like basically the entire series is his preparation memorial for himself. Yeah. This entire book because he's like telling people I love you. They're preparing him without preparing him. And damn, it still hurts. Fuck this bullshit. Bullshit. And Lionel. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. And Lavinia. Fuck her. Oh. oh. Yes. Because uh, I will. I can't. We'll talk about it in a minute. <laughs> All right. So we're going to forego the five minute recap because there's a lot to get into. We've wasted a lot of time just to chat away. It. Yeah. I mean, you got to the, the crux of the point, I guess. The A crux of the point. Ah, look at her. Not just a pretty face, y'all. Not just a pretty face. Guys, I really think we need to start drinking more. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people are like, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll let the people decide. You let us know at the end of this episode and how you feel about us pre-gaming our podcast sessions. Yeah, if you guys are like, y'all are unhinged. Eh, all right, that's fair. So let's get unhinged, into what- but I like it. That's what we're trying to figure out. <laughs> I mean, again, I have wine glass goggles on. (laughs) This is is something. Ordered specifically for this, let me just say. So let's get into what happened in the first 15% of this book. 51 to 65. 51 to 65. So where we last left off, Tori and Darcy had... For lack of a better word. Sorry, Tori and Darius were too. It's so hard with the D words. Do you know the last episode I spent like so much time editing me out flubbing everyone's names because (laughs) I'm like, Darius, Seth, Caleb, Keth. I'm like, that's not, that's not how this is. Um, We start off with Tori and Darcy had just unleashed a a Phoenix firestorm, basically, um, for lack of a better word, which knocks Tori off course from the nymph battle that they were having and Darcy unconscious. Pick back up with Tori, um, who is thrown off course, but still in hot pursuit from the nymphs. To escape them, she kind of tunnels her way through the ground using her earth magic and basically falls upon a hidden chamber. Now she feels a strong urge. It's the stars urging her to go somewhere in this chamber. And she finds a, a Vega vision. As Bridget had so eloquently, I have put coined before. the term, and it will be for it will be used moving forward. Watch out, WandaVision. It's now called the Vega Vision. <laughs> Only took us six books to get there. 
six and a half, really. It's excellent, excellent. You win. Um, if the Twisted Sisters wants to use this term I have coined, I will be taking royalties. Um, she will sell it to you for three copies of the book eight arc. Just letting you know. Just putting it out there in the world. Hint, hint, wink, wink. So in this Vega vision, Tori sees her parents, Hale and Marissa, um, dealing with a nymph riff. Nymph riff. That's a, a sentence. It's a little nymph. hard to say when you've been rift. drinking. A nymph <laughs> rift. Um, a rift called by the nymphs. Um, and even they know this is a problem. This can destroy the kingdom. We need to really work on closing these. Now, Marissa, the twin's mom, can see some of them or kind of feel where they are. They have no idea where they are popping up. There's too much to count. Hale uses the Imperial Star to close it. And we meet some other cast of characters that we see familiar in the visions. So we have Hale and Marissa, the twins' parents. We also meet Asriel, who is Lance's father. A.K.A. my future father-in-law. <laughs> and I love May that he- Asriel sort of described as like this bookish nerd with glasses. But you can also see he's like good looking behind that. Um, I mean, I know we don't like the term, but I mean, he sounds like a daddy to me. He's a <laughs> dope. He's a dope. Daddy. Yes. It, it depends on the terms. You know, it's a good daddy and the bad daddy. He sounds more like the good one to me. He sounds like the good one. Uh, we also meet Lionel, of course, and the other heirs. So long story short, Hale is concerned about the rifts. And we see that Lionel kind of urges Asriel to meet Stella. He's like, oh, I've got a good lady for you. You should meet her. We'll hook you guys up. Which is how he meets Lance's mom and how they become a family. Orion orchestrates that. And we learn that that's for darker reasons later on. Lionel orchestrates it, not Orion. Yes, I'm sorry. Lionel orchestrates it, not Orion. We also see in this vision. Sorry, Snuffles. I was like, are you okay? (laughs) No. I right. thought for a second the wine like snorted up your nose from like this. <laughs> no, no, no. This is a cold kid germs. <clears throat> so we also see in this vision something kind of gruesome. Vard, who we know is Lionel's seer present term, present time, has a weird red eye and it creeps out the twins the second they see it. And we see in this vision how he got this weird red eye. So the eye is plucked from the eye of a nymph and inserted into his face is in order to see the shadows. Yeah. And so the reason that happened, though, was because Vard was, like, jealous of Marissa. Because remember, Marissa is a very powerful seer and he had pre- previously worked for Hale. And I think he insulted Marissa. So Hale kicked him out and, like, damaged his eye. So then Vard shows up at this weird jungle temple and Alejandro is there and Bard's basically like, I'm here to like serve the shadow princess. And so they accept him into their fold. And so they give him a nymph eye. It's a very kind of gruesome scene to read as they pluck his eye out, put the nymph eye in. And he's screaming throughout. A little tough to read. But this helps explain why Bard can actually see a lot more than the twins know. Because as a seer, you cannot see the shadows, but as... Now with an eye, you can see both what's happening in the future as a seer and then the shadows because you've got your weird freaky red eye. The bionic nymphi. So Tori finds a charm bracelet of a little hydra, a symbol meant to be from her sister, and she flies back to the burrows to be able to meet with everybody else. Now on the flip side of this, 
Darcy is unconscious and has been unconscious for a couple hours following the Phoenix explosion. And when she comes to, everyone is concerned. They're like, what the heck was that about? She's locked in the room with Darius. Gabriel's like, this is for your own good. And, you know, Gabriel's always seeing things that, you know, for the right reasons. So he locked her in there and basically forces a confession out of her about Lavinia's curse. So she finally admits to the group that she feels like her magic is being siphoned away. She feels intense anger and hate, which we saw come out earlier in the first book recap of this series when she kind of attacks the nymphs gruesomely and enjoys it too much. But moreover, the more shocking and concerning part is when she feels her magic being drained, she feels mortal. Now, as she says the words, I feel mortal, everyone is like shocked, appalled, gasps everywhere because to be mortal means she can no longer be in this realm it means that her friends can no longer come to visit her because they'll get sick when they come over to the mortal world if they stay for too long she has to renounce her her claim to the throne everyone she knows and loves in this world will be gone so that's hard for her to admit and even harder for folks to hear gabriel says you know where i think i have a friend from ruthless boys that should be able to help us She's got this great library. She's going to meet you. Go check her out. I'm sure there's an answer to this curse that we can figure out there. So Darcy and Lance head off to meet the Library of the Lost. And they meet, again, if you're familiar with the Ruthless Boys, they meet Lonnie. Lainey? I say Lonnie. I, I say, say Lainey. Lainey. I say Lainey, too. Okay. Yeah, Lainey's a sphinx. So you know Lainey, she's smart. We meet her in Ruthless Boys as a former roommate of Gabriel's. And he knows that he can trust her with the task that Darcy and Orion have to go on. So they go through the library. They have to go with a minotaur through a maze to be able to access the dark magic books to be able to find out what kind of dark magic would take phase powers and turn them mortal. Now, they see something come up and they're like, oh, skim, 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 skim. Something about a shadow beast. That can't be it. And move on. And as you, the reader, like, wait, hold up. Hold on, hold the phone. I think there's something there. But of course, these characters are like, nope, that can't be it. Let's go see something else. They call their Minotaur friend. They go back through the maze and he leads them to the Phoenix section, which is exclusive to anyone with Phoenix powers and the Vega line. It's also interesting to know, and we talked about it before, that Lance Orion's shame, and you see it a lot with this Minotaur when he's talking to him. He's like, I cannot look at him. I cannot address him. And... Because he's power-shamed, obviously still at this point, this has a very long-lasting effect on anyone who interacts with him. They can't look him in the eye. They can't talk to him directly. So this carries on, especially here, which makes poor Darcy increasingly mad. So here, Darcy is led to a specific book, in which case she finds out that through sharing Phoenix power, so the power of two, meaning her and her sister, should be able to burn off any curse that is placed upon them. So they're like, Eureka, we found the case. We solved the case. Let's celebrate by having some super sexy time in this library that's super cool, which is exactly what they do. We say it's a great scene. Go check it out. I recommend. It is my favorite library scene ever. How many library scenes do you scenes? You know what? Before I stumbled upon fantasy, and I'm a little ashamed to say this, I would read a lot of like Regency romance novels. Mm. They have a lot of libraries at estates during, like, summer garden parties. That's all I'm going to say. Do you remember that movie Atonement? Uh-huh. There's a scene there in the library. A hot li- – libraries are hot. 
It's the best part of it. And Bridgerton, they do it in a library yep. ladder. Yeah. Libraries. Who knew you'd need a library ladder in your house, you guys? Now I do. Now Libraries, I guys. Do. Next best place. Next best place to do it. So we learn that the shadow magic can, can potentially burn this out. They're very happy. They feel that they found an answer to the curse. Back in the burrows, Darius and Tori are going on their morning run. They're lighthearted, having fun. Then they hear some screams coming from a stock room. They run over there. It's a gurgly, bloody mess. Someone has been viciously attacked. Um, they briefly see a beast at some point who has clawed this poor woman, unnamed woman, um, to death and mauled her to death. And they take off on the pursuit. They cannot find her. So now there is a problem with the burrows where someone has been murdered. Now, previously, um, some guards were attacked. In the same manner, so now everyone's a little bit more on edge. The guards were one thing outside the burrows. Now this is inside the burrows, which has been specifically spelled, and everyone has a star bond to not reveal this. So it sounds like it's coming from within. The call is coming from inside the house. So that's your first beast attack. Now, as we go through these scenes and these light conversations we're having, you know, Hilda mentioned it earlier, Darius knows he's on a limited time crunch and is starting to make amends with everyone. He's starting to profess his love. He's like, I only have five months left, six months left, four months left, whatever it may be. And I know my time is limited and I want to make sure I'm spending it and telling the people that I love the most that I love them. So he makes a very loving and romantic declaration to Tori, who, of course, does not realize that he's proclaiming his love because he's about to die soon. But it's very, very sweet, a whole – um, montage about you're my queen I love you and I'll spend my the rest of my dying days making up to you all the br- the grief and the trauma I have caused you because you're my one true person to be with there's only you she probably thinks he's being like a romantic sap when like in actuality his days are limited and it hurts to read it hurts to read because you know why he's saying these things and they don't and you're like oh Please realize. Also, every Brian. single time he calls her queen, I'm like, yes. Please, absolutely, queen. yes. Uh, so they are still now. You remember, our Scooby Gang is still on the hunt for the rest of the gems for the Zodiac Guild, and Gabriel sees a vision that he knows a very specific person from Ruthless Boys who can help them. So Gabriel enlists Lance, Seth, Caleb. And Leon as our members. I was like, who am I missing? You almost forget. I almost your forgot man. Him. I almost forgot him. Um, he enlists all of them to go on this quest because he believes that Leon's father of the famous thieving knight family has this in his his gem has this gem in his vault and needs to be rescued. So this is where you really get a first glance at Leon. Now you know. I love me some Leon. He's on my white shoes. He'll always be there. And it's just so funny when they stroll up to him. They're like, hey, uh, we're looking for Gabriel. Do you know where he is? And Leon's like, who's to say? Everyone's like, you. You could say. Do you know where he is? And he's like, well, I wish I could. And like, can you though? <laughs> he, see, he tries to be so mysterious and it just comes off so funny. And so he says, listen, I got a quest for us. Me, you, and Shamesy. Which is what he calls <laughs> Lance O'Brien. And he's like, no, seriously, like your stench of shame is really good. You should like bottle this. And Orion's like, oh God, please make it stop. <laughs> so they go on the quest to retrieve uh, this gem of Lorium, I believe is what it's called. 
please correct me if I'm wrong in our DMs. And they go to request it. They go to Alestria. Again, all callbacks to Ruthless Boys, to the Knight Family Vault to go retrieve this. Um, you know, it's worth noting that Seth and Leon have an instant bromance and they talk about this game called Chip Chop Pube, which I find hilarious. <laughs> and I can't. Like, how do you come up with these things? I don't know. So Chip Chop Pube is a game where you <laughs> see how many kitchen utensils you can hang in your pubes. And I forget how this comes up, but Lance and Caleb are horrified but also intrigued to learn more about this. <laughs> and it's hilarious that both Leon and Seth are like, I love this game. Um, so there's a lot of bonding under uh, for Chip Chop Pube. So Chip Chop Pube hilarity ensues. <laughs> you know, I got a hint to the sisters. So I'm like, what a name. What a name and a game. <laughs> like, why? How did you come up with this? Is this like an English thing that we don't know about? I don't know. Can you imagine if you wrote that into a book and like, can you edit this? And everyone's like, what the fuck is Chip Chop Pube? <laughs> I'm like, uh, how do you not know? Let me explain it to you. The best is like when things like this happen and it becomes like a reality. Like people start playing the shit. So they descend into the sewers of Illustria. Um, <laughs> Some hilarity ensues as they're all concerned about the water. And they're like, calm down, princess. The sewer, the shit water is in the other tunnel. This is clean water. And it's just kind of funny to see how Seth's like, oh, God, you got it in my hide. It's like, it's fine. Um, so they retrieve the gem. There is a trade that has to ensue, Lionel. Sorry, there's a trade that has to ensue. Leon has to trade um, Orion for a specific player's pitball card. And that's only because Leon said right off the bat, I need to know what you know about Gabriel and this prank that ensued while we were in college together four or five years ago. And now, if you read Ruthless Boys, you know this prank. You know why it's hilarious. And you also know why Orion will not divulge the secret. He's like, I will rather die than tell you about what happened to us and why I will no longer eat this certain food. So he settles on the card and there they go. They are attacked by spiders. It's fine. They get up out of the sewer. They survive and they're met with, now Alestria is a scummy city and so they run into a homeless man playing chip chop pube where he's got all these utensils nestled up in his pubes and everyone is like chip chop you this is great um everyone's also equal parts horrified and then the man says there's there's spiders in that hole and you're like what what swiss sisters thank you for this like there's rascally wabbits out there i felt like it was a little elmer fuddy and i liked it um so that night right after retrieving that um oh it's also worth noting <laughs> Seth finds a cowboy hat, red cowboy hat, during this trip. And he's like, hey, can I have that? And Leon's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you, can, you can have that. And so Seth, <laughs> Seth takes it. And you'll find out why this is hilarious later in Hilda's section, I presume. Oh, no, okay. it's my section. But um, I love section. Leon. Leon is such a prankster. <laughs> can I just say that you know that Leon is – expecting up to no good. something when he starts asking you these seemingly out of the blue questions and then when you're like what and he's like oh yeah don't worry about it so he does that several times in relation to this red cowboy hat yes he does um 
So back at the burrows, there is another beast attack. And as the team goes to investigate, they find Justin Masters suspiciously rinsing something off um, where they all suspect, hey, you're in close proximity to where this person was just murdered. You're rinsing your body off. You are an order form that could presumably have done this. You have murdered everyone. So they lock him up, but not before Geraldine has junk punched him for his betrayal to his queens, um, which, you know, it's it's Geraldine being Geraldine. She calls him a salacious salamander, I think, and poor Justin Masters is locked up on account of this beast attacks. Now, after right after that, again, Darius is starting to make amends. He starts to make amends to Lance. He, they have a cuddle session, and he's like, you know, I love you, not just because of the guardian bond, but because of who we are, and you're my brother, and you'll always be my brother. Lance is not picking up, just like Tori, not picking up on what he's putting down. That This is like an end of our life conversation. I'm trying to make sure you are my friend and you know how much you love. So they have a cuddle session that was pretty cute. They also, um, Seth also weasels his way in. Also pretty cute. Um, now, right after this happens, Gabriel bursts in. He's like, Tori, Darcy, we need to go now. The girls are like, what's up? What's happening? He's like, the stars have said... This is your exact moment. I need to fly you to the Palace of Flames where you will be trained and learn more about the Order of your Phoenixes. Order of the Phoenix has not been around for quite a while. There's no one that can teach you. You need to go here. This is your one and only chance. If you do not do this, you'll never get another shot. Now, the girls are like, okay, well, I guess we have to go and we'll leave a note and tell everyone we'll be gone. Um, They go to the Palace of the Flames, which is in some kind of jungly situation. Even Gabriel doesn't know where it is. He just knows the stars have shown him exactly where he can go i thought it was very my wine goggles just slipped right out of my uh my wine bottle aren't you glad now that you put on an extra layer you know what i'm in a robe so again this is a very nice visual of me in a robe a plush robe wine goggles it's a look it's a vibe i thought that the palace of flames and i could be wrong here was close to the cave of the forgotten which is where darius went to make that deal with the stars that like broke all the bonds so i also had the same thought it's not explicitly stated but i did think it was similar since they're both jungly situations yeah and gabriel had and ruthless boys had been to the cave of the forgotten before because that's where he got that thing that he needed yeah, I think it was a ring or something. Yes, I think that's where Gabriel got his Phoenix kiss ring, which freed mm-hmm. him from some situations in Ruthless Boys. So the girls, as they pass into the Palace of Flames, they are met with an apparition of Avalon Vega. She has bound herself to this palace, knowing that her heirs would once come and need needed to be tutored in the ways of their order form. Now, she is important to note. She originally banished Lavinia back to her shadow world. After causing the issues that they had in this realm, she's the one who banished her away. And so she says, girls, it's time. We have to learn. And it's so cute that both of you want the throne because only one of you can rule. And the girls are like, wait, hold on. What? No, we both can do it. She's like, oh, no, that's so cute. But it's your fae form that's going to demand that only one of you can do it. So you're going to have to battle it out. And the girls are already like, yeah, okay. I don't think that's how this is going to work for us. But please teach us everything you know. Yeah. Not to derail, but did you guys get a good vibe from Avalon? Nay. Originally, yes. And then as they began their tutelage, no. I felt like Avalon wanted them to become something they are not. Like she wanted them to become like evil, not evil, but like 
more cutthroat than their personalities allow for. Like it's not. I think of it like boomers versus like millennials. Like we're not that part. We're not that generation anymore. We don't have to be this way. That was a good reference. That was excellent. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I agree. My white like, glasses. Her ruling viewpoints on how they should be as queens do not align with how Darcy and Tori um, believe the kingdom should be ruled. And you can tell she's more of a dictator versus a queen. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like her, which I guess we'll talk about it when we talk about our predictions. for. Like she was eight. kind of borderlining um, Daenerys when she went low cray cray. At the end there, I was like, you're giving me these vibes. You're giving me bad Daenerys and I don't like it. Yeah. Okay, proceed. So the girls begin their tutelage under Avalon. Back at the burrows, Gabriel storms in and says, guys, I got a master plan. I need everyone to start planning Bard's death. And everyone's like, I'm sorry, wait, what? And he says, I need you in the next month to plan. Every one of you break up into teams, plan all these different ways that you can kill Vard. Now, he tells it to a large group that are in the borough's cafeteria area, and he takes the heirs aside and says, listen, my plan, we need to get this eye, the shadow eye that the the twins' mom, my mom, showed Tori, because it is helpful for us to be able to close all the rifts, which are causing Lavinia to, to suction in all her power from the nymphs, and we need to close them in order to win this battle. So, in order to do that, we need the bard's eye. Vard is this year will be able to see us coming unless we are planning all of his deaths. So if everyone's too busy plotting his death, he'll be too consumed by all these images of his own death coming through. He won't see us come through tonight. And so that's their plan. So their plan is to sneak into the castle. Vard will be locked down because, again, he's seeing all his death coming through. And we need to pluck his eyeball out. Geraldine, because you're the most unpredictable, you're in charge of this mission. Now, immediately, these guys are like, what? Why is Geraldine? And it's so funny because she rises to the occasion. She's like, great. I will grab my great-grandmother's eye scoop and off we go. Now, everyone is like, what the fuck? You have an eye scoop? Like, a handed down to people? And I'm pretty sure Max is like, girl, you've never been hotter in my life right now. <laughs> so because- <true. laughs> Max loves some fucked up Geraldine. And <laughs> Max is so turned on by her weirdness. It's great. He I is. like in moments like this, I like to think about the Jerry we first met and we all were kind of like, you're a little too coming on too strong. You're annoying. Like, I don't really like you, girl. And then she just blossoms into the true Jerry that she is. And oh, I love her so much. Can I just make one editorial note? Um, Darius is so pissed. That Tori yes. is off in the Palace of Flames getting trained. And I mean, nobody knows why. Obviously, we know why. But nobody knows why and understands why he's so, like, irrationally angry over it. And I feel like his friends are like, okay, I get it. Like, you haven't had your girl. You guys were... Um, you missed her birthday. We get it. That's a bad thing. Well, not even that. Like, they went that entire, like, year where they were star-crossed and they couldn't be with each other. And They've dealt with a lot of fucked up shit in this past couple of books. So, like, I get him wanting to spend every minute with her. And his friends, like, say that. And they're like, we get it. You also, like, are deprived of all the sex you were having. But calm down. And he's, like, inside, like, you don't understand. I only have a couple weeks left with them, a couple of months. Yeah. All right. So they go on their quest to go rip our rip Bard's eye out with Geraldine's great grandmother's um, hand. I scoop. 
Which I just love it. She's like, excellent. But when to use this thing. Uh, so they go on their quest there and they start sneaking into the castle. Uh, now, my chapter ends with I'm a... sorry. I need to laugh. Of the palace. <laughs> not the castle. It's so hard <laughs> not to say the castle for whatever reason. <laughs> You've been infected. Sorry, Caitlin. By Bridget's castle disease. <laughs> so called the castle. It's a castle for crying out loud. Oh, I'm sorry. The palace. They go back to the palace. Of souls. Palace of souls. They go back on their quest to pluck Bard's eye out from the palace of souls. Geraldine is super jazzed to be able to use her great-grandmother's eye scoop. scoop. Which, you know, I just love that that's a hand-me-down. Like, my great-grandmother gave me a sewing kit. She got an eye scoop. It is what it is. Uh, While that's happening, we're... I don't want to say treated to a Lionel POV, but we get a Lionel POV. Um, So in this, we kind of learn a lot from his motivations. Number one, Stella comes to visit him and he's a cocky, arrogant asshole. And he's like, oh, you're here to please me? I guess I could take you. And she's like, no, no, no. I'm here to plead for my son's life. Stella, in a rare and weird moment of redemption, decides to be an actual fit mother and plead for Orion's life because she realizes shit's getting weird and I'm pretty sure you're going to kill him and you've already killed my daughter. Like, I, I don't have a husband. Like, let's just just call it even and don't take my son's life. Um, so while they are discussing that, um, we hear Lavinia from the other room like, Daddy, I've been bad. And Barf. Barf, just barf in my barf. And so Lionel's like, what the fuck now? He goes out there to see what's happening, and we see Jenkins. Now, if you remember, Jenkins is their butler, kind of addicted Darius, always ratted him out to his parents, mainly Lionel. And Darius Jenkins is suspended with his arms ripped off, and Lavinia just biting chunks of meat off his arms and his body as he dies. It's Did pretty anybody gross. Here, feel bad about that. I want to say yes, but no. Immediately, no. no. I did not feel bad for Jenkins. I felt grossed out in the way that he went. So I'm like, I was more grossed not about him, like cringe on Lavinia's part, but farewell to Jenkins, like bye boy. Like bye you, boy. Fuck, you fuck that guy too. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that guy. So, and if you're wondering why we hate Jenkins so much, is Lionel would literally beat the fuck out of his kids, specifically Darius, and he would sit there like a smug asshole, like <laughs> this pain is getting off, like is getting me off, and he's just so lo- loyal to Lionel. Nobody understands why. Um, he's twisted. He's twisted. So Jenkins meets a grisly end, grisly end, and now. <sighs> The scene is a little weird because it's almost like the rape of Lionel we have to read where Lavinia's like, give me an heir. I would make you an heir. And he's like, okay, fine. Let's do it. And she's like, only if you make me your queen. So as they're doing it, he has to proclaim in the middle of it. By the stars, I proclaim you my wife, yada, yada, yada. And she say the same to become his wife. And the stars accept. And then... A weird turn happens where now Lavinia is the one pursuing this. She's trying to get him to spill his seed to give him an heir, which he does in a weird way. The shadow hand comes back to bite him in the ass, if you know what I mean. 
And <laughs> sorry, I'm just remembering the scene, which is terrible, yet kind of karmic. So I yeah, feel it's that kind bad. of like karmic. It, that's the best way to put it. It's karmic. It was a hot topic of discussion in the um, tribe group that they have on their Facebook page because some people are like, he got what he deserved other people were like rape is never deserved no matter how horrible yeah it was weird to read because you have those two mixed emotions like this guy's been an a-hole from day one so he deserves pain but like i don't know if this this is the pain like we shouldn't make light of sexual assault either way it was super uncomfortable um read at your own risk it's even more uncomfortable because in that moment he impregnates uh, Lavinia, who then her stomach grows immediately after having this. And within, I'd say, a minute or two, she's like, the baby's coming. And Lionel's like, wait, what? What is happening right now? And then the baby, this is weird, just crawls <laughs> out, like hands out, crawls out. This weird shadow baby. And Lionel's like, what the fuck? And Lavinia's like, Say hi, daddy. And the baby's like, hi, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad we got that on recording. It's so weird. And so that chapter ends with Lionel screaming at this abomination. And we're all like, what? What happened? What? What?" The hi, daddy. Is going on the list of greatest impressions right next to Colleen's <laughs> Darius. Now listen, I wish I was making this up, but that's exactly what that baby says when it crawls out of Lavinia's weird vagina. I need somebody to do it in the voice from the like the secretary from Monsters Inc. Like that really deep, smoky, guttural yeah. voice, the smoker's voice. Like, Hi, Dad. Ross, I don't even know yes. if I can hear it. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I can't do Bridge, it. Bridge, I feel like you can do it. Bridge just a good low voice. I'm like psyching myself up to it, but I'm trying to think of how she does it because I keep she's all like, I hear is like, Hi, Daddy. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> In Mustang, she's like, Mike Krasnowski. <laughs> so she'd be like, Hi, Daddy. <laughs> so weird. Um, so on that note, that's where my chapter ends. All right. So we were leaving off um, with Gabriel, Dwight, Caitlin covered it, that he had requested that all these people make plans on how to kill Var. The whole purpose was to get him distracted so he couldn't really see what Gabriel had planned for him in order to retrieve the shadow eye. That's what we're calling it, right? The shadow eye. Um, so now that the plan is in full force, you have half of the Scooby gang minus the twins, um, which is Seth, Caleb, Xavier, and, well, those three. They all head over to help some captives who have been held at the Nebular Inquisition Center. These are the lesser phase that um, Lionel has been rounding up so they can torture and do experiments on and also feed them to the nymphs for their power. And they're going on their way to go ahead and distract Lionel because they know if they attack there to release those phase, Lionel will show up and try to destroy the rebels. Meanwhile, we have um, Jerry, Lance, and Darius who are roaming about the Palace of Souls, not the Castle of Souls, as I like to call it. 
And Jerry is in charge of leading them to Vard because she's so unpredictable that he will never be able to see where they are and what's going to happen. Jerry's leading them through the Palace of Souls. They run into another one of Marissa's hidden clues where they have a Vega vision. And coming off out of this Vega vision, you're feeling it. Like she decides to show them what their life could have been like, should have been like, if Lionel didn't go and fuck everything up, if he didn't betray Hale and Marissa, if he didn't go out to try to be king and get involved with the nymphs, basically the twins would have grown up with the heirs together. So they were just the heirs for the counselor positions. And Darius and um, Tori would end up sharing a kiss at her birthday and Hale like shoes him away when he finds out. And they've slowly been sneaking around because even though... You know, they're growing up together. Darius still has his position and he would have to give it up in order to love her and be beside her as she becomes queen, which he eventually does. He gives up his seat as counselor and Xavier takes it. And then we have Lance, who also grew up with them with Clara. And, you know, he becomes a pitfall pitfall famous star. And he comes home from session one summer and he falls in love with Darcy. And they have their romance and you're just you know, heartbroken for them because their life would have been so sweet. But um, Lance kind of recognizes after he sees the vision that even though this is great, it's not his blue. Like he fell in love with the girl who was half broken when he met her, the one who was living in the shitty apartment with her rundown like clothes, with her bunny pajamas and watched her become the powerful fae that she is. And he loves her that way. And he, in those visions, was the boy he used to be before all this stuff happened. And, you know, he mourns it, but he is accepted who he is. And there's a little bit of darkness in him now that he knows that Darcy would love him for regardless. And same thing with Darius. He kind of recognizes that that would have been a great life, but it's not their love story as it is today. So, but Jerry, of course, she is absolutely beside herself because she's like, my queens could have had such great lives and she's distraught as full Jerry form because anything that's revolving her queens, she's all in. So she continues to lead them around. She loves Uh, those queens so much. She does. I feel like she loves them more than her own self. And yeah, you know, that's fair. It's fair. So she leads them back through the palace. Um, Darius, of course, in his own nature wants to take charge. And she's like, no, no, no. Not today. You are to follow my commands. Come on, boys. I love how she just like pulls them around. Um, at this point, Jerry and Darius are step siblings, so it's kind of cute dynamic. And she finally leads them back to Vard's room. She brings them to action. The boys, Darius and Lance, think that they're going to be the ones to get the eye out. And they're planning, you know, what they're going to do. They're talking to each other. They're like, make it hurt because Vard's an asshole and he's been torturing Tori when she was uh, under her shadows. Um, Meanwhile, Jerry just jumps on him, straddles him, takes her eye scoop, pops it in his eye and just clicks it and just steals that shadow eye right out of him. The best part, though, is like when she straddled him, she decided to use her earth magic and create an eggplant the shape of a penis and shoved in his mouth so he couldn't really scream. Comedic, like a great time. (laughs) I forgot about that. I was like, eggplant, funny. Eggplant is shaped as a penis. Funnier. Okay, show me um, an eggplant and he's like, not shaped like a penis. You know what I'm saying? 
He's like screaming around the eggplant and she's just like, ah, I got you. And she's super proud of herself. And then she hops off and she like pockets it into like a, basically a Ziploc bag and puts it in her pocket. And then Darius and Lance are kind of like, what the fuck just happened? She literally got on this man with an ice cream scoop. Like that's what they're describing it as. And just ripped it out. And they're like amazed but appalled at the same time. They're like a little terrified of her. And then so then Darius takes his sunblade seal and starts marking him up. Because as you know, that is something that a, a fae can't heal from. Like there's going to be scars. And one of them like cuts off his finger or something like that. Anyhow, they weren't allowed to kill him, but they definitely let, left their mark. Meanwhile, you have the other half of the Scooby gang, which is Seth, Caleb, and Xavier. They are providing the distraction at Nebula Inquisition Center. They are putting out an illusion to make it seem like the phase are scattering throughout so the real phase can hide and, you know, run away to the burrows. It's basically a mission to retrieve these people and Caleb and Seth are kind of together, doing it together, and they're taking attacks on to Lionel and they're hiding spares underneath their firepower. So he thinks, oh, it's fire. Um, I won't get hurt, but there's a spear made out of earth power there so they get a hidden and he's pissed and he's going after them. And meanwhile, on the back end, Darius and Jerry and Lance, after they like fuck up Vard, they're like running through the palace and they encounter Jerry encounters this weird shadow thing, which we know already is the shadow baby. I don't know if we can call it a baby. Um, the shadow heir. It comes out saying, hi, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> weird shadow baby. Um, the shadow baby knows that they are here and he basically like Spider-Man's and like cobweb situation and she's stuck in the shadow cobwebs. And then Lance and Darius come and they basically attack it and kill it and release Jerry. So while Seth and Caleb are dealing with all of that stuff at the Inquisition Center, Lavinia is coming to save Lionel. And suddenly she feels her heir, her shadow baby dying. And she screams out. She's like, no, my heir. And she rushes off. And Lionel's like, I don't want to go. But, you know. He has a shadow hand and he's basically being controlled by Lavinia. And she's like basically tugs him along and you can see like he doesn't want to go, but they end up shadow dusting back out. And Seth is kind of like, hey, we um scared them away. And Caleb's like, no, I feel like there's something else. They probably realized the palace was underneath attack. Um, anyhow, the rebels were able to escape from um, the FIB agents who were tracking them. There was also like a little plot like a setup where they got all of the FIB agents that were vampires to come hunt them and then told them like, cause Caleb is one of the strongest vampires in all of Solaria. So they have to bow towards him as part of their order. He basically told them like, Hey, you're supporting the false King and we're going to give you this chance to withdraw whatever you're doing, basically change your stance. So you don't die. So he let them go. I thought that was a noble act of him instead of just killing them right on the spot. But he knows like as future rulers, if they do end up being rulers, like you don't want to just kill off your population. Um, so they head back to the burrows. They are like, we got to clean all this stuff off of us. They head into their little sh- pond shower thing, their bathrooms. There's like a lake, a cave lake. I don't really know what to describe this. A cave waterfall pond shower. Yeah, so it's like in the cave. I feel like it might be steamy. There's some water lilies in there that they use to soap up or soap lilies. Not really sure, but basically all of the dudes are there. 
They're all unwinding. Max is pushing his powers for everyone to relax. Caleb um, feels sorry for Seth because Seth's trying to wash his hair and knowing that in his pack, people usually do these things for him and he's getting frustrated. And Caleb's like, come here, I'll do it for you. And Seth, you know, who's in love with Caleb is basically like, are you sure you, you're really doing this to me? Um, and they end up having their cute little moment. Jerry shows up and is like, oh, you guys are all getting started. I can't wait. And she tells them like, oh, the eye is like somewhere. Don't hold it close to you because it will like crawl into your eye and take over your eye. Um, so keep it locked away. But then Jerry pulls off her shirt. Max is like, oh, fuck no. He pulls up and he's like, Jerry, you're not getting naked. And he tries to cover her and tells everyone to hit it. Um, and so Seth and Caleb end up back in their room and Caleb's like, oh, come hang out with me. I have some bourbon. We can celebrate um, the success. And Darius like stomps off to his room because he's all moped because he can't get with his girlfriend. Um, so Seth and Caleb, Caleb, Seth, you know, things happen. Here it goes. Um, it's just from Caleb's point of view. So we already know that Caleb traditionally – you know, has always been with girls, but he's been noticing this attraction that he's had for his best friend. And they end up hooking up. Seth gives him a blowjob and then he wants to reciprocate. And suddenly he's feeling very fearful. Like he has imposter syndrome because he he's heard all of the stories that Seth has told him about guys in his pack who have like given him the best orgasms and stuff like that. And Seth is like, Caleb's like, I, I can't compete. And he's trying to explain that to Seth and Seth immediately shuts down. And he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, I'm just really horny. And usually I do this with all of my friends in my pack, but my pack isn't here. And then he basically tells Caleb, like, I give all my best friends blowjobs, except for you guys, because you guys like girls. Um, And then he's like, I'm going to head out now. And he basically gives him a peace sign. Caleb's like, did you just peace sign me? And he's like, yeah, it's my um, BFF blowjob peace sign and i give it to all of my friends i give um blowjobs to poor caleb caleb's like uh okay and he's left there in his room with his pants below like down by his ankles and he's like what what just happened so seth is a little whiny baby you know and he's off whimpering in the corner and lance who we know is being shunned so he's always hanging out in a corner he hears seth whimpering and he goes up to seth and he's like why are you crying and seth immediately perks up he's like well oh this he must have heard so he's definitely my best friend i'm gonna befriend him um this is good news and he basically is like i need to be comfortable to tell you um will you cuddle with me? And Lance is like, oh, fine, because Darcy would ask me to do this for you. I'm going to do it. So they head back to the room. They get a cuddle session in. And Seth basically tells him everything that happened between him and Caleb. And Lance is like, you should tell him how you really feel. Seth being Seth is like, no, I'm just going to pretend this didn't happen and move on. But they end up cuddling for the rest of the night. So, you know, we see that happening. Meanwhile, Tori and Darcy have been training with Queen Avalon, who is the Phoenix Queen, um, for four months now. So it's been over four months that's happened that they've been there. No wonder why Darius is so pent up. Um, and she keeps telling them, you have to battle for the throne. You have to battle for the throne. Um, and until you do that, you can't leave. So Tori is like, yeah, fuck that. She looks at Darcy and both of them agree at that moment that what they're going to do is blast the queen with Phoenix fire. And she basically just disappears. She burns away off the face of the planet crown that she was wearing. The queen was wearing breaks into half and the twins walk up to the throne and grab it. And they put it on for themselves. 
Um, and they like basically create it with create it into a tiara. And they find they're walking off to go back to the burrows and there's like two gowns waiting for them and they look like true princesses. They put on the gowns. They look like they are ready to rule for the kingdom and they head back to the burrows. While at the burrows, right before they show up, Gabriel tells Darius, like, it's your turn to go watch Justin Masters, like, because he's been locked up for all these months because the queens aren't there to give him his punishment. So he's nowhere to be found. The girls walk in, they see their friends and they're like, oh, hey, how's it going? Lance shoots up and he's looking at her and he's like, oh, you're fine. And you could tell like he wants to be with her immediately. Then Darius gets wind that they're there and he basically commands everyone to leave the cafeteria and get the fuck out. And him and Tori hook up in the cafeteria. Amazing. Great stuff. Go ahead and read it. Um, And then he takes her on a date to the mortal realm. Um, After that, we have another scene where Gabriel is heading to go ahead and teach his lesson for the day. And we know already that Xavier had told Carson that he will prank Gabriel in order to get his Jacob's Ladder piercing done. That was their transaction. He didn't want money. He just wanted him to be pranked. And so Gabriel was uh, slipped an elixir during his breakfast coffee. And in the middle of his class, this is the best. (laughs) His pubes just immediately sprouting and it becomes out of control. Just think like, I don't even know how to explain this. I feel like if it was a wave of water overtaking an entire room of pubes, that's, but it's a room of pubes and Gabriel's immediately calling for Lance to help him because that's his nebula ally. And it's just so freaking funny. And of course, Tyler is there and he's recording everything. And, and so like, it's in my mouth. Gross. It's gross. Like it gets into Jerry's mouth. Um, Darcy and Tori are trying to help him and they're like, trust us. And they basically try to burn it away. And he's like, you almost burned off my penis. <laughs> it's so <laughs> bad. So funny, and it just keeps growing and growing until Orion brings him like something to like make it stop. But gosh, it's such a great scene. I highly recommend you go read it because he always gets himself into these situations. Love Gabriel. It's like a really, Um, really, really big bush that just invades the whole classroom. I know it's (laughs) it takes over and it it basically takes off a life of his own and attacks everybody else. So Xavier's feeling real good right now that he was able to pull off this prank about Gabriel. So he's strutting his stuff and he like goes up to Sophie and he's like, oh, you saw that baby? Like I pranked him and he starts making out with Sophie or Sophia. I keep calling her Sophie and Tyler barges in. He's like, get your hands off my girl and stuff like that. So Sophia's like, I can't do this anymore. I love, I want both of you. And this is it. Like if you guys need to figure out your stuff and figure out who's the Dom and, but I can't be with you. So she storms off. They're about to go at it. And then Washer comes up and being the creep that Washer is, it's like, oh, make sure to oil up your bodies before you guys get into a fight. And he basically wants to watch them and be referee. So they're like, let's go take this into the bedroom. They're going at it. They're all oiled up. They're fighting for dominance. And basically, um, what's his face? Xavier literally um pins him to the bed and then suddenly everything in the air shifts like it went from like full-on like i'm going to dom you to i'm going to dom you um tyler turns around he's like yeah you will yeah you will basically and at that moment tyler xavier's like yes 
I'm going to do this. And he basically gives it good to Tyler and he loses virginity that way. And after they're done, he realizes, oh shit, Sophia. And as he, he says that out loud and he's like realizing, oh, this is a situation now. Sophia's already been in the room and she's been watching them and she just strips off her clothes, goes into the bathroom and she's like, this is it. I want both of you. Xavier becomes the dom. Both of them are subs. They're able to live on their happy, merry way in their herd. So everyone's super happy. They finally found, you know, their place in their herd. Good for Gabriel. I mean, Xavier. So happy for Xavier. Right? Well, in true Xavier fashion, he wants to finally run and tell the world, I'm no longer a virgin. He finishes stuff he's basically had sex all day according to him and he's like i'm gonna go tell everyone i'm no longer a virgin because everyone knows he's a virgin because lance had told him i need your blood for the elixir for the cup situation i need virgin blood he runs up he hears lance and he's like oh i'm finally gonna stick it to him and tell him i'm no longer a virgin and he can't use my blood and he blurts it out to lance and he's crowded lance is crowded by the rest of the friend group and he's like, I'm no longer a virgin. Um, haha. And everyone turns and looks at him. And then they're just like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, Catalina's there and she's like, good for you, honey. Um, and Sirius is like, seriously, dude, there's a dead person on the floor because there was just another monster attack. And there's someone dead on the floor that needs to be cleaned up. I just love the timing. And it's poor, poor Xavier. He's like, I've got good news. I want to share with everyone. And everyone's like, blink, blink. Someone has died. Read I was the like, room. The secondhand embarrassment I, I always get from reading these scenes with Xavier is so bad. Especially when he goes and she is like, I'm a dumb. And I took Tyler. And then Sophia. And his mom's like, good for you, hon. I'm so proud. Because she like wants to be. It's so bad. I love Catalina. Um, so that happens. And then Gabriel's like, as his punishment for the pube prank, he makes Xavier um, clean up the bloody body and stuff like that and he's like you know what even though this sucks this is still the best day of my life because he finally lost his virginity he claimed his spot as the dom um and because the murder happens while um justin masters has been locked up they're like oh shit it's not actually justin um it's not justin who is it at this point i started questioning who it was when i was reading it the first time because i was like kind of suspecting Darcy and then she was gone and then as soon as she gets back there's another murder so think what you will about that situation um so Justin is released Jerry feels absolutely horrible because this is her fiance and when she they all suspected that he was a murderer she dick punched him basically and she was like i can't be with you and stuff like that and justin's like it's fine like you can make it up by me by being with me and she's like oh i'll get you some buttery bagels i'm gonna go to the kitchen and make them now and she runs off because she doesn't want to be with justin but she also feels really guilty for putting him in that situation while she's there max knows that she's distraught he comes up and they have this really cute scene in the kitchen where they're making the bagels together and he like basically tells her he's all in and he it's only her so I was like, all right, Max, you've got it bad. Jerry doesn't actually say this, but she's crying. So, you know, she she loves Max as well. She just can't get to that point of saving it because she doesn't want to become I think a person that breaks the promise. Geraldine and Max are one of my favorite couples. I really love them. It's just so 
unexpected originally from yes. when you know both of them and now you see this and you're like I just, just really love happy. how Max is so like by the stars Geraldine like and he goes like cover her up at the time she does something indecent she's like get off me you like fallacious flamingo yeah she's like what's the life. problem I have to free my nipples from the bloody battle or some, she said something like that though she did she was like I gotta clean them too I was like yeah, okay like, oh my gosh Meanwhile, Lionel, um, his shadow baby's dead. He doesn't want to have another one um, with her because he thinks it's an abomination. And he's thinking the only other person that I can get a true dragon heir from is Mildred. And he's thinking of ways that he could get her pregnant without actually having to fuck her. So that's gross. Um, <laughs> that's gross is the understatement <laughs> of the year. <laughs> Um, but Lionel me and Lionel thinks he can one up Lavinia and she's like, Hey, come lay with me. And he's like, yeah, I can't, I got to go into the city. I have shit to do. Um, and so the thing that he needs to do in the city is his live interview, which is being streamed, like broadcasted to the entire kingdom. And the interview is with Portia and he's so excited because finally he's going to get the praise and recognition that he needs, um, as King. So he shows up, he sits down, they're going through a tribute to him as the king and they start off with his life in zodiac academy slowly we realize this is becoming a roast um and it's exposed that he has a very small penis small um, dragon dong not so and big now are we mr lionel basically the heirs at zodiac academy not the heirs the counselors and hale um pranked him and pulled off the illusion that he had to make his penis look bigger while he was about to shift and they strapped him down and they removed the illusion so everyone could see how small his penis was burn um he also <laughs> so burn we they also questioned like the um circumstances around his brother's death which is with who's originally one of the counselors um and they were basically saying that you know someone basically killed him and we know it was lionel um i also want to call out that his brother's name is radcliffe radcliffe yes and i think i passed Daniel over radcliffe. this because we learned this in lionel's pov when everyone was making fun of him with hale and asriel and the other heirs that lionel did in fact cause his brother's death he took a specific wasp put it over his chest and then pinned his brother's arm so he was not able to heal himself so this wasp yes. which not fatal if you're able to heal yourself um turned out to be very fatal for him and it's pretty gruesome it's like your organs liquefy over the course of a couple hours and so lionel puts a silencing bubble over him and then basically laughs as his brother dies Dies. before him but i would like to just call out that his name is radcliffe and that is another correlation back to harry potter because daniel radcliffe um you know just throwing it out there even notice that fans of course. I'm, t- I'm telling you, like, if you're a true Harry, like, diehard Harry Potter fan, you'll notice the little small things, but other people, if you, like, just love Harry Potter, you're like, oh, okay. It's just the houses. Um, and they also show some clips of him being humiliated by the counselors at Zodiac Academy during Pitfall, and he's basically just trying to come up with things to, like, make it seem like it was this or that. Um, and then finally, the nail on the head was, in our being, we find out that Dante takes a video of him fucking a Pegasus and he was using it as blackmail and they sent it to Portia for her to use for this. And then he broadcasts it to everyone, which is a huge deal because he is such an orderist. He's like, dragons are the best. 
I don't deal with lesser fay, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like telling all the FIB agents that are there that they need to like capture Portia and not Gabriel. Dante shows up on his dragon form and is basically like, peace out. Portia hops on there and he takes her away to save her and take her back to the burrows, which is like pretty badass because Portia has been the one to do all of the interviews with Lionel for the past couple of books um, to so to see her switch sides and show her true alliance in this great act was amazing. So the entire kingdom was watching it. It was being live streamed. Everyone was forced to watch it. So everyone saw all this stuff happen. Um, back at the burrows, Darcy encounters Lance and he's still trying to not be um, public with their displays of love. And she's pissed. She's like, I'm done. Like, why can't you love me the way I love you? We've had to hide a relationship before. Um, and now it's out. And he's keep, he's still on the I'm shamed Faye. Like, I don't know why you can't understand this. It's I'm not good for you. I will always love you. I will be there with you, but I'll be in the shadows. And she's like, it's not good enough. She storms off, goes into the cafeteria to hang out with her friends and have dinner and talk about the great interview that they just saw with um, Lionel. And then suddenly Lance barges in without his shirt on. Um, he has I Love Darcy Vega written in lipstick on his chest and he's prancing around. He hops up on the tables and confesses his love for his queen and that they are together and she hops up there and she kisses him. It's a great moment. It's straight out of the movies. Um, and so things are good. And then she has like a little girl hangout with her friends later that night. And as she's heading back to her room, you know, she starts losing time and suddenly she's outside of the burrows. She's not like fully dressed. She's in her nightgown still from her little sleepover with her friends. And she loses time again. And she's walking into this, basically a crater of nothing. And she just knows like, this is an important moment. She turns around. It's Lance there. They're having their divine moment. Finally, after six and a half books, finally, they finally have their divine moment. And the stars are giving them their chance that we always knew that they had a bond and they we've been I waiting for this moment. Like the stars have given them like 10 chances before this. They really made us work for this. Can I just tell you guys, I remember very clearly reading this part um, again while working out and texting you guys. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm crying. Oh, my God. And I was so happy. And I like was fucking losing it. And then... 30 words later, I was freaking the fuck out. There, It's truly 30 words later. We cannot have anything nice. Like, we can't have things. We can't have nice things. Of course not. Because why was that? The stars are fucking assholes. And I'm cursing a lot this episode because this shit pisses me off. Suzanne and... Why am I forgetting her name? Caroline. Caroline. You guys are assholes. I love you, but you're assholes for this one. Um... Finally, they have their divine moments. They commit to each other. They got the rings in their eyes. Like this, it, it's happening. They finally have their moment. Boom. The the veil drops that's been covering them with the stars. The stars, their constellations in the sky disappear. Things are back to normal. And they are surrounded by FIB agents. They turn their heads and they are literally outside the FIB headquarters. What kind of bullshit is that? And the FIB agents are like, Lands Orion, Darcy Vega, you're under the arrest. Please throw your hands up. They get taken to the um in a cop car and they're literally going feral for each other because they just had their divine moment. Usually after the divine moment, if you accept, it gets spicy because you just want to claim your mate for like days at a time. 
So they're trying to do it in the cop car and the like FIB agents are like, can you not? So they throw them into prison. Wait, wait, but who's there? Francesca's there because she's FIB agent. Um, So she's there and she's like, you're her mate or she's your mate. And she has that like moment where, oh, this is never going to happen for me and Lance at all. Like, sorry, right, girlfriend. Because as your nebula ally, you can sometimes be confused as your Elysian mate. And so I think she was hanging on to that. That's that's what we are. So this is a cold hard truth for her to accept. I honestly feel like she, in her mind it was like divine mates, Elysian mates are so rare. Your next best step is your nebula ally and we're already such good friends. Like why not? Why can't it be me? That's fair. Mm-hmm. So she has this moment. She realizes that there is nothing she could have done to win over Lance because it was never in the stars for her. Um, but she doesn't say that. This is me all assuming this is what's happening in her poor, poor head as she gets whiplash and her heart broken. Um, so they end up back into the jail cell. There's the jail cell is overpopulated because they had a raid earlier. So they get thrown into the same jail cell. And one of the guards is like, are we sure we should be doing this? And they're like, well, there's nothing we can do until King Lionel shows up and gives them their punishment. Um, AKA kill them. And so they, Lance just throws her onto the bench and they go at it. And meanwhile, Gabriel is basically telling Tori and Darius that like, you need to fly fast and fly quick. And Dante. And Dante to go back to, um, to go get them, to retreat them because they're seconds away from Lionel showing up and killing them. So Gabriel shows up, they break down the prison walls and he sees them and he's like, you've got to be kidding me. You're literally having sex right now. Like what is wrong with you people? Um, so they run out of there, Francesca, all the FIB agents, they know they're under attack. So they storm out and they're trying to get them to stop. And then Francesca comes and she uses her weird Cyclops power and makes them all pass out. And then she comes up to Darcy and Lance and she's like, uh, um, if you think this is the way to end Lionel or whatever, here is the map of Espial, which is what he had requested from her previously. And he gives her the, she gives him the order suppressant so they can re- like get back their powers and takes off the cuffs. And Darcy gives her hugs and thanks, thanks her. And, you know, she's a little taken back because she's like, did this really happen? So they're on their merry way back to the burrows. Um, Lance takes Darcy and they run off to the room and they have more sex. Shocker. And he's like, I want to celebrate. So they get dressed. They grab some drinks. As soon as they crack open their door, their friends are like, what the actual fuck is wrong with you people? And then they realize that they were mated. And of course, a celebration breaks out. They're all partying. They're having a good Mm -hmm. time. Um, Before they head into the party, Jerry immediately sees the rings and is like, oh my God, you're no longer um, a shunned fae because of this. And they're like, wait, what do you mean? And so Jerry's dad comes in and he's like, oh, it's true. And he doesn't really pass out or throw up by seeing Lance. Um, so basically because the stars made them, it overpowers being a shade Faye. So that's really another thing to celebrate. So Orion's drunk no off his more. ass. Shamesy no more. Um, Lance is super happy. He starts drinking heavily. Um, it's full on party mode. And then we have Seth who is showing up and he's talking to Lance and Lance is like, what are you wearing? Cause he's wearing a red cowboy hat and suddenly he has red bar. cowboy boots <laughs> and then he sees him again. And then suddenly he has like a Southern twang and then suddenly he has like 
a cowboy vest on and, like, and assless, assless chaps. chaps. And Leon is just giggling to himself. And he's like, ha ha, I got you. Um, and he basically tells them that, like, Seth, you can't take off the hat or else you're going to be, like, burned by acid or something. And Curse, the hat you stole from my family's vault. Yes, the hat was cursed all this time by some, like, rodeo type fae. By and- a bull shifter named Bo Vine. <laughs> Thank you, Hilda, because I would have never remembered that. But Caleb is getting really protective over Seth and tries to pull it off. And then we find out that if you pull it off without completing Bo's last wish, he would just die. Guess what Bo's last last wish was? What is it? He has to ride a Pegasus while singing Cotton Eye Joe. Love it. If you've never heard that song, go ahead and Google it. So he immediately tries to... Wait, hold on. Really quickly, editorial. When book seven came out, um, Caroline released a Spotify music list that you were that was supposed to help you understand like the themes of the book. And so, you know, you look at the list and it's all like these love songs and like heartbreak. And then Cotton Eye Joe was on the Spotify list and everybody was like, what? And then they finally understood why when they I read the scene so, and it was pretty hilarious so much they're like love songs my heart will go on and cotton eye joe this song is so out of place i'm also very happy that they know what the song is as well i just thought it was like an American thing but um yeah so he immediately hops on to none other than xavier and xavier hadn't even fully shift yet and he's like yo give me a second to at least shift into my form so Xavier shifts into his Pegasus form. Um, Seth hops on there and immediately starts belting out this song. Tori goes over into the Oscar gang and like makes them play it on the radio. It's a good time. Um, Lance is happy. He's super happy. He's like sitting next to Darcy and Tyler comes up and is like, oh, you want to read this article that just got posted? And it's basically about the divine moment, how he's no longer um, shunned. And there's a really cute quote on there from Darcy. Um, and he turns to Darcy and she's like, I meant every word of it. And Taylor's like, can I get comp- like your response so I can publish it? And he, he doesn't know what to say. And Gabriel's like, you do. And he's like, I'm the luckiest fae in the world. Hmm. So, so sweet. So, so sweet. Well, that's all I had for my section, I think. <laughs> and I think we've realized, A, we love this book so much and B so much happens that in the middle of this we're like we're gonna make a part three because there's so much to talk about so up until this point we've talked about all the good things that are happening and we're kind of alluding to what's to come in part three because now we're about to get to the really painful part so so we'll give it its own section it's its own section we feel but before we leave, I would like to say a couple quick thank yous to some fans who have left us a podcast review. So please, 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 guys, if you've loved this podcast, if we've made you laugh, if we've made you think, if we've made you cry, I hope we haven't, but maybe the books have, please leave us a review. You can find us on Apple. You can find us on Spotify. You can basically find us anywhere you would like to read. You would like to listen and leave us a review. We do have a review I'd like to shout out. Um, from, from Lauren, 
She left us a beautiful review. You ladies are my people. I've never laughed so hard when listening to your episodes. Keep them coming. And I say thank you so much. You made our day, girl. I said it to everyone. I'm like, look at our new BFF, Lauren. Look what she said about us. And so you too can get a podcast episode shout out. If you just do us a favor, do us a solid and leave us a review and show us some love as well. We will in turn do that to you. You guys can always find us on Instagram at booktalkmademe underscore pod. Send us a DM. We respond pretty fast. I'd like to feel, I mean, Lauren would know. She DM'd us also. Um, If you guys have thoughts and feelings on this episode, please let us know what they are. We'd love to hear about them. And we'll bring them up on our final conclusion of Heartless Sky part three when we tackle that next any last thoughts gals uh definitely be drinking next time <laughs> so we don't... told them to do that for this episode we didn't even well get to the worst i mean there's lots know... of celebrating i feel with this episode you know yeah yeah we, we had steer you wrong seth and caleb and their bj bff bjs we had uh their divine moment we had an eyeball scoop. Like, what's on to celebrate there? So many things. So many good things. All right, guys. We'll catch you later. You know where to find us. Again, book talk made me underscore pod, Instagram and TikTok. Please leave us a review. Okay, I love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.